Hey everyone, welcome back to Human All Too Human, our podcast on the human condition. Today, it's our third episode and we're going to explore the morality of lying, deceit, judgment, and shame. Today, I'm joined by Layla, Abby, and Aaron, who are my uh, good college friends, um, very close friends of mine. And if they wouldn't mind, I'd like them to introduce themselves and, you know, tell the folks something interesting about yourself and anything you find relevant. Uh, Layla, do you want to start? Um, Of course, I'll start. Thank you for having me, Chris. I'm so excited to be here. Um, Just to introduce myself, I'm a fourth year uh, student at Penn State. I studied biology with a minor in psychology and um, a focus on neuroscience. And that's where I will be coming from uh, speaking today. How about you, Abby? (laughs) <laughs> do you want to okay, yeah, go yeah, next? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, my I'm very Abby. close friend Abby. Abby is, you I'm, know, we've been through a lot. So I'm very glad that you changed that to not just college friend. I have made it to a friend. You've anyway, been upgraded. Yeah, you've been I've upgraded. I've been upgraded. Thank you. Uh, yes, I am Abby. Um, I have like no interesting facts about me, so I'll just like skip that one. <laughs> um, uh, I also went to Penn State, um, and. Uh, yeah, I have no credentials at all to speak on this matter. <laughs> well, Abby, this was your idea. Uh, actually, you and Layla both came to me separately about the same idea of the topic. So I, I wouldn't say you don't have any credentials, right? You're the reason we're, do- we're doing this. But, but we'll, we'll, we'll touch you. on that. <laughs> to give you a little boost, right? I, I have to. I have to. You know, give your, uh, But anyways, Aaron, how about you next? Well, thank you for having me, Chris, and saving me for last. I feel so special. Um my name is Erin. I'm also a student at Penn State, um, and I've studied Chinese and cybersecurity, so coming from that kind of perspective. And I've actually known Chris for a very long time, not just college friend. Um, I feel like I've known you since, like, elementary school, right? Oh, God. I've repressed all the memories in college and before, and so I actually kind of forgot about that. <laughs> yes, I've, I've known Erin for a very long time. We were, what was it, in... in um, Mostly French classes through high school, right? Yeah, but I think we were in the same, like, second grade class. Wow, you have a very good memory. I don't recall I don't recall any of those years. I, I remember you. Um, I remember you very, very specifically. Oh, what was I, what was yes. I like? What was I like in, in second grade? Um, a, a, a little bit more reserved, actually, than you are now. And you always, like, on picture day, because I, I have the pictures of, like, our class photos... And on picture day, you wore like a bow tie. Oh. <laughs> you, you've always been stylish. Um, thank you. I'm going to take that as a compliment. But but to, but to proceed, um, so our last two podcasts, they're on Spotify now. So if you haven't seen them before, please go ahead and listen. Uh, the tag is human all too human. And we got resoundingly good feedback on the last two episodes. But just going back to what we were talking about beforehand, I mentioned Abby and Layla actually came to me separately with this exact same topic. So, I don't know, Abby, you were the first one to message me and then Layla messaged me. Is there is there a reason you wanted to choose this topic? Um, I don't know. Actually, Aaron and I both love this topic. So that's actually why I came to you about it. It was all three of us, really. Um, so that's kind of why we talked about it before. And we said, I mean, we also like talking in general and um, listening to ourselves. So naturally, we came to you in your little podcast. <laughs> Interesting. What is it about lying that 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 got you so interested? I mean, there was a a wide breadth of things to talk about in this podcast. 
True. Um, personally, I it's like I came about with lying specifically because I get a little annoyed by it, honestly. Wait, aren't um, you the pathological liar in our group? Am I thinking about a different whoa, person? Whoa. <laughs> I would kidding. not call myself a pathological liar at all. Um, I make fun of you, Chris, um, but that's all truth. Um. <laughs> <laughs> all jokes come from a place of truth. Really but, but, okay yeah but but okay <laughs> joke jokes aside what is it so it bothers you lying bothers you is it why does it bother do you think it's wrong what, what, what about all it? lying bothers me more the embellishing um that people do that kind of lying oh wait and... interesting because i'm i'm known to embellish things oh I, yes I, you are I, <laughs> so wait are you are you implicitly telling me that you don't like me incredible well, no i thought you would just be a great case study to bring about um, okay i just think the people need a good story a lot and then sometimes you need to <laughs> dramatize it a little bit i don't see anything you know we'll, we'll right but that. i feel like that Okay, I, I have a lot of thoughts about that, but Except, I'm sure you do, and and I won't have a chance to respond if I. But um, uh, Layla, how about you? So because you came to me separately from them, and then you asked about the same topic. What 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 is it about this that especially interested you? Um. Well, I I actually listened to the first podcast. True. I'm fan. so sorry about that. Yeah, very sorry about that. Yeah, it's okay. I forgive you. But um, yeah, I remember one of the things he said that inspired me was like, uh, you were you were discussing how to define your own morals and how to you know live your like being inspired by all of these philosophers and like how do you nav- navigate that in your own life? And then I just thought the most common uh, moral dilemma people face on the daily on a daily basis is whether or not to lie like lie in everyday situations and yeah that's why i thought you should cover it that, that makes a lot of sense i'm so sorry you had to listen to episode one that was our pilot episode two is a lot better <laughs> if you didn't think episode one is good episode two is way better we got we got we had really good guests on uh sean and josh other close friends of mine but yeah lying it's it's very interesting because as you said a lot of people think you know don't like to do it and at the same time i think it's relatively ingrained in human nature to tell and like a lie in any sort of degree right and then lying yeah. doesn't necessarily have to be like how we think of it it could be you know subconscious lies or unconscious lies like what we tell ourselves but but it's um it's an interesting topic so so to start off aaron you said you had some things you wanted to say to me um do you do you want to do you want to rattle off some is, is there something that comes to mind no i, I was just thinking because I was going to go off of something you had said, but I, I forget exactly what it was that you were saying. Okay. Well, I, I oh, said oh, I was Oh, now prone. I remember. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. You were saying that, like, people want a good story. And I feel like it, it's interesting because there's a difference between embellishing certain facts and then creating, like, a, a narrative that like leads you into a different place, right? So like you could describe something that happened to you with like emphasis on certain things, but I think the problem more so that Abby and I have talked about in the past is that people will make something out of what is actually nothing, but in a way that I think is actually harmful to other people um, because certain people might, you know, say like make a big deal or make a lie out of something that didn't actually happen in a way that makes other people feel inadequate because they're like oh if all these amazing things are happening to someone else like why aren't they happening to me 
I oh, I understand. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're you're some of it's like almost like college high school drama stuff. I mean, you know, I feel a little bit better because I think I like to just push narratives for the fun of it and just to be funny. I hope hopefully. Well, I I'm think not... it's like a professional lie. I actually was thinking more in terms of like the lies that people say you need to tell at like job fairs or in an interview. I feel like those are are more damaging. Oh, okay. What kind of lies are you referring to? Well, you know, like they basically they don't tell you to lie, but they tell you to embellish in college. Like Abby and, and Layla, I don't know if that speaks to your experience of like oh, working <laughs> career oh, counselors. Absolutely. Yeah. So they're like, you know, drum up what you did, place emphasis on like things and like incorporate buzzwords. And it's like when you do that, you like and then you start explaining it to other people you you do make it sound like you're in a better place than them and it gets to a point where you can be using those lies to kind of like push people down and boost yourself up that's interesting so so you're saying it's starting out like everybody tells you to sort of embellish your your um credentials so you can get an interview or you can get a job but then are you, are you suggesting that people will do this so often that they sort of almost delude themselves and then they start you know perpetuating uh, this idea that they're that they're a lot more important than they are and it, and it puts other people down is, is is that what you're referring to yeah i mean i think some people just do that naturally without being told to by external sources but i think it's like very normalized um in society in general that's a pretty big leap though don't you think i mean i think it's i don't think there's a single person out there who hasn't sort of talked up their credentials at like a career fair right and then to make that leap from from one end to the other i mean that that must be like a person by person thing right i would think what do you mean i think it's exactly? yeah i think it depends on who you're you're uh talking yourself up to like if you're just talking yourself up to recruiters at a job fair that's different from you making your internships sound more than it actually was to your friends um, yeah, I think that's spot on. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I, I get that. Do you have you experienced that a lot, Aaron? Like, is that is there a reason why it's particularly um, perturbing to you? Yeah, I, I feel like I, and I don't know if. Um, Wait, you're not other... referencing me, are you? <laughs> before, I further, before I go further, this isn't you. You guys aren't like referencing me, right? Okay, whatever. Just <laughs> go on. <laughs> Not you in particular, but I feel like um, I feel like we all fall like victim to doing it to some degree, um, and and I, I definitely have experienced it, especially I think as well with like acquaintances. It's like that acquaintance type relationships, like people you might see in class or something like that, especially people who are in the same industry as you or something like that, and then like they will embellish their experience a little bit more. Yeah, and and why does that why does that bother you? Because you know, if you know sort of the truth or the reality to it, do you know what I mean? It, why does it affect well, you so much? Well, because you don't I guess, always know. You can, you don't always know that it is a lie. Um, like I feel like I, not that I am like a super naive person, but like people who I'm friendly with would like t tell me about their quote unquote experiences, and I would like take them at face value because I'm like they have. Because in my mind, I don't usually lie like that. I'm like, they have no reason to lie to me. But then, you know, you start hearing all of these things over and over again. And I think it can be damaging 
to your self-esteem if everyone's embellishing and you're not, and then you are taking them at face value. So I feel like it takes a little while and it takes a little experience in whatever they're talking to, to realize that like, no, this person's a 20 year old intern. They weren't doing whatever it is they said they were doing. Um, mm -hmm. But it takes time and experience to actually learn what those things they'd be allowed to do are and like recognize the lie. I think the lies are damaging because it's easy to look back on it and say now like, oh, I can think of instances when people were lying to me. But in the moment, I didn't know they were lying. Uh, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, because so, so you know, it sounds like you're naturally unguarded towards people who are more amicable. So, so you have no reason to be, you know, on the defense you know, searching for lies all the time. So, so I guess it's kind of unnerving when, when it happens. Yeah. And also to add on to that, I feel like personally, I don't want to have to always try to decipher if my friend is selling a lie or not. Like, who are these friends that you guys have? Jesus. Or, or, or like associates. Like I, I you don't want to always have to guess if they're lying or not about about something such as you know work positions or even people lie about their day-to-day -day lives a lot too what they're interested in i, I don't know oh i mean uh, okay yeah that, i mean that gets into a lot of the topics that i wanted to hit on but you know there's a whole front of okay so there's a whole lot of reasons why people lie right and then you know i was thinking about the topic and then before you guys came on and I was thinking about when's the what's the biggest lie that I've told in like the last few months. So, you know, I want to give you guys like a couple seconds, really think about, you know, from your perspective, what was the biggest lie that you told relatively, right? It doesn't have to be a super big lie, just the biggest lie um, in terms of your perspective. And, and why did you do it? And, and then I'll go first. I, if I was recalling the last lie I told, it was, um, I'm not going to give the specifics, but it was to avoid like a super difficult situation, right? Sometimes it's easier to say something and then not have to explain this or that. And then, you know, to get out of the difficult situation. So that's, you know, one front of why people lie. And, I, and I'm just curious from your perspectives, what, what were some instances personally? Yeah, I just wanted to speak to one thing that was mentioned before. Um, I think it's really nice that you guys take you guys are taking your friends or acquaintances at face, at face value because it shows that you are truthful people usually. And it's not like if you were one to um, lie on a regular basis, you would be more likely to be looking for lies in other people. So I think that's nice. I think that that shows that you're uh, generally truthful people. <laughs> Aaron and Abby, but, um, oh, thank, you. <laughs> thank you. But according to Chris, I'm a pathological liar. <laughs> Abby studied well, the other honest people, and now she's uh, <laughs> lying to imitate them on the podcast. <laughs> okay. That's what a pathological liar would say. Anyways, Layla, please continue. Um, yeah. Okay. I get, um, I'm also not going to say this entire situation, uh, but it was a lie of omission where I didn't tell, uh, I didn't tell um, everyone I was close to what, uh, what sort of trouble I was in because I, I know I can sort it out on myself by myself. And I know that it would just be added stress to their lives. Yeah. I mean, I, w I wouldn't know what to even classify that really. Right. I mean, like why, why do you omission? No, no, no. I mean, like, um, not, not that, not, not the actual. Like, you didn't explicitly state it, so it's, so it's untruthful. I'm, I'm, I'm curious about. Um, you said the reasonings because you didn't want to add to other people's um, difficulties. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, yeah. I've, I've actually, you know, that's probably one that people encounter a lot, especially when they're in um, a lot of close relationships and such. Um, Aaron, do you want to go next? And we'll just go down the line, then we can go back and circle back and talk about it. I am trying to think. I mean, I think during the quarantine specifically, I have been lying a lot less. Um, mostly because, like, I think a lot of the reasons that I would lie before were to, like, either avoid a difficult situation or avoid feeling uncomfortable or making other people feel uncomfortable. Um, but now with like the pandemic, I just don't care as much to be honest. Wait, I, I um, never thought you were one to care about making other people feel uncomfortable, which is not a bad thing. <laughs> just to, character, well, to characterize your personality, <laughs> if I may. You are right. Well, I like when I like making people feel uncomfortable in certain ways, like in, in terms of ways that I think are like challenging and interesting. Um, but I don't like making in terms of like if somebody I think we've all told lies like this, where if somebody's like, hey, you want to hang out? And then you're like, oh, I can't. I have blah, blah, blah. Like that is to make them not feel uncomfortable in terms of like you just not saying I don't want to. Right. But I've gotten to a point where like especially with the pandemic like I don't I don't really care about that anymore um but I, I would agree with Layla I think like the biggest lies that still exist in my life are just not necessarily being completely forthright with people and I don't I don't know how much that counts as a lie if it's just like some information that I have that I don't really want to share with them and they don't necessarily have any right to that information um but I still think it falls on the spectrum. Yeah, so I'll, I'll say that as well. Okay, that's interesting. How about you, Abby? You and your pathological so tendencies. My, yeah, I mean, as you know, <laughs> I just lie day in, day out. Where can I pick one? <laughs> um, no, honestly, though, I would actually have to agree with Aaron here. I just don't have the mental capacity, though, to lie uh, during this <laughs> time specifically. Uh, it just takes too much effort. So I can't actually think of... Other than I have maybe not lied per, per se, but like decided not to fight with a person, like in, in the sense of if they brought up a, an opinion I disagreed with, I didn't necessarily disagree with them just to avoid a fight. So I guess that would be the only situation off the top of my head that I can really think of. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, I, mean, I, I do that too, actually, just to interject. Really wait, do you quick. actually, Aaron? <laughs> yeah, I, I do that. I do that with a not with friends, which is why you're laughing. Oh, I know. Okay. okay um, but I will do that with family in particular because I think we all have family, you know. Sometimes, mm -hmm. well, at least from my perspective, my family is holds views that I don't agree with, like politically and socially. Um, and actually, I think a lie a, a lie that I do um, a lot with them is instead of fighting them because it's so emotionally and like. <laughs> psychologically exhausting is sometimes I'll just pretend to agree with them to see how far that they'll go. So that's, <laughs> that's a pretty big oh, wow. set of lies. And do they go far? How far do they usually go? It's actually very interesting because I'll do it with people outside of my family as well. Like if people start saying like toxic political views, I'll be like, oh, like who are these like people that you're meeting that are coming out of nowhere and be like, here's what I think about Asians. <laughs> they just start like going off. <laughs> well, actually, I, it's very interesting you say that. This might be tangential to the podcast, but I feel like because a lot of white people, especially with everything that's been going on, have been like, I'm so shocked that these other white people are racist all of a sudden. I'm like, this isn't shocking because like white people will say, and Abby, I don't know if this is true to your experience, but white people will say racist stuff that's like, 
you know, kind of like dog whistle things that are racist to you, like all the time, just to see if you're also a racist. Yep, <laughs> definitely. Wait, wait, they, yeah. they, 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 they say it to test if you're a racist? Yeah, yes. like just to see if, if you're one of them. Exactly. Oh, oh God. It, oh, it will, God. Yeah, it happens often. Yeah, I mean, they'll, they'll say something oh, like, oh, all this Black Lives Matter stuff, am I right? Like, they'll just put something <laughs> down in oh, that way okay. to see if you'll be like, ah, ha, 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 which like. Yeah, that does not happen to me. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I think it's to your point, I think it's surprising that people are shocked because whether or not you're white, Asian or black or whatever, people are just racist as humans. I mean, one, because I think there's a tendency to be, to be sort of uncomfortable with things that aren't natural from our perspectives and then, you know, a whole lot of other slew of things. But like, yeah, it's it's not surprising to me that people are being racist or, you know, I mean, frankly, I, I, I was, I'm disturbed, but it wasn't like shocking to see that people were, I don't know, beating up Asians because of COVID, right? I thought, I thought that was the logical thing that would happen after all this came out. I don't know about you guys. Not, not right. to be tangential or anything, but... That's what I was thinking. I mean, it's a, it's not surprising, but it's still um, disheartening and sad that that's where society is still at. I think that's also a form of like people lying to themselves, though, because I, I do think a lot of people who are white or otherwise like privileged, like um, like men in a sexism situation, um, will just you know kind of say like they're not actively experiencing any racism or sexism or whatever it might be. So they, instead of like going out to look for and like validate that experience from others, they'll just tell themselves the lie of like, oh no, like these experiences from other people that, you know, of, of violence or hatred or microaggressions, those are just one-off things. I don't live in a, in a racist or sexist society. Like that, that's another form of lying to yourself. No, that um, that makes a lot of sense. Part of what we've talked about in the previous podcast is sort of, you know, when we talk about determining your own values like we have in the last podcast, what is, you know, opposite of that is taking what other people say and sort of sublimating them into your own values. So, so that, so that you know, to your point, people will lie to themselves. I think a lot of, you know, if we're on the topic of racism, right, and how you just called it a lie, it, it is a lie in a way because I think a lot of racists tell themselves that, you know, whatever race that they're being um, racist towards, that that group of people or persons is causing them some sort of harm in that way, right? And that's the reason they can't be, you know, successful as they can, or that's the reason why the country isn't so good, because there's X race involved. And, and then that's a sort of lie that you're telling yourself, right, that things aren't my fault, right? Whatever my situation is, it's not my fault, and it's because these group of people are here. So, so in a way, it's, it's, it's a huge lie that people tell themselves. But I mean, that's the problem with living in kind of like the post-truth society that we live in, and like the relative experience of morality and truth is that those people who are racist, like they are, they don't think that they're lying to themselves when they hold views that are prejudiced. They legitimately believe that those things are true. Right. And then mm -hmm. I guess the that's that's true. Uh, that's very true. And I guess the, w when I hear that, my question is, you know, how can we solve this? Because if we if we take the point that you just made and then, you know, for instance, let's talk about um, what's the anti-Asian hate movement called? Like AAPI? Is, is that what it's called? Or, or, or whatever it's called. Right. Let's take that movement. And then everybody's going to social media and saying, don't beat up Asians. You know, what are the chances that convinces, you know, a racist that what they're doing is racist? Right. Or does that anger them more? 
So, so at the core of the problem, what are we solving? Because if we just increase the societal pressure, right, on on things that you know a majority of the people happen to agree with, right? Like for instance, now a lot of people on social media think beating up Asians is bad, right? Which is a good thing, and then they're forcing everybody else to sort of share that opinion, right? And then, but that can happen with a whole other. Um, amount of things, right? That could be the topic doesn't necessarily have to be as as straightforward as don't beat up Asians. So, it's uh, so just you know circling back. How how do we really you know get to the crux of this problem, right? I don't want to dominate the conversation, yeah. so <laughs> feel free to feel free to interrupt me. No, but but I think... please, don't, I, I'm supposed to be talking less. Everybody else talk over me. But I, I think what you're hitting on is actually really important with social media because I think what we see a lot in social media and in like in like larger discussions with people is preference falsification, where people are actively participating in or reporting um, views of their own that don't actually reflect what they believe. Um, and, and this plays into a whole lot of things where it's like, you know, nobody says they're racist, somehow everybody believes in equality, but yet we're seeing, you know, these horrible disparities in the criminal justice system and violence against people of all different backgrounds. So like clearly people are engaging in widespread preference falsification, which is 100% lying. So I, I think it's hard to even know how people actually feel um, regardless of, of what their participation with these issues looks like. Yeah, and to add on to that, um, I feel like a lot of people too, when it comes to racism, they kind of think of a one size fits all situation. So they will go like, I'm not racist because I don't do X. Like, like I do not beat up Asians, so I can't be racist kind of thing. You know what I mean? Which is I'm just- I'm glad you don't beat up Asians, Abby. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but the, like, they do think of that. So they think that that equals racism. If you don't do that, you can't be racist kind of thing. I do know a lot of people that kind of have that mindset as well. That's, Which that's is yeah. I mean, that's such a lie, but yeah. Was, <laughs> um yeah i was gonna say the one the one uh really shocking thing about all of these beatings is that there was often bystanders present and just other non-asian people watching these beatings happen and i think that a lot of people like i absolutely say to myself oh if i was there i would have jumped in right away i would have done something at least i would have called someone but it happens again and again where they're, they're just these bystanders um, not taking any action. And I, I really hope that people aren't just lying to themselves and saying that they would step in when they really wouldn't. Yeah, I think I mean, that's yeah. interesting too, because I think that hits on like how much people lie to themselves about things they couldn't possibly know about themselves. Like personally, I don't know about everyone else, but like I've never watched someone be like attacked in that way so being honest with myself i know i don't know what i would do in that situation like i hope that i would call someone and now that like i've thought more about it i can take more action towards it but i think telling yourself like oh i absolutely would call someone in that situation or intervene like i also think that's a form of lying because you really don't know no right? i think you yeah, can, yeah. Right, go ahead you can, uh you can never really know what you would do in those situations um, and, uh, I'm going to bring in a new topic here, but that's what people say about, uh, the justification for having guns. 
they uh, like a lot of people justify having guns as oh I would protect um, I would protect myself and my family in the event of uh, a break in or a robbery or or another shooting and I I think that that's just um, in a, in a way you're lying to yourself because you have never been in that situation and you don't know what you would do when it happens or if it happens. That's that's an interesting point. I think it's a natural recourse to many people who don't know, right? Because then I believe the logical conclusion, right? If if you've never been in a situation like that, would be, and I can I understand why people have that point, right? I don't, I don't necessarily agree with it, but I understand why people would go for a method like that because it it removes a certain level of certainty, right? It's one thing, you know, being on a subway and like watching this huge fight go on, and then like deciding whether or not you want to physically like insert yourself between it, or you know, if you have some sort of weapon like that, I, that would make you more confident, right? So I see why they would go for that recourse. I don't necessarily agree with it, but but that that, that is a great point. But uh, but uh, before we um, move on, I I, thought, I think both both uh, Layla and Aaron and Abby made a, made a lot of interesting points about you know, how we lie to ourselves in a way. And I think Aaron, you're absolutely right. None of us have been in these situations, right? So we tell ourselves one thing, and then we may act on another. I think um, Abby, you've you've read The Fall, right? You weren't kidding to me when you said you read that book. Yes, I read The Fall. <laughs> so I, I, think I have this... also read The Fall. Oh, you have? Oh, that's perfect. Okay. Since, you know, some of us have read it, to give Layla some background, it's, um, it's, it was written by Camus, right? And then, you know, I promised Abby that I wouldn't talk about Camus that often, but I'll just, just for the sake of, of this exact topic, it's about a man, you know, holds a very prestigious position in law, right? And he thinks, he thinks he's above society in a way, right? He, he goes out, he helps people like cross the street, he's, you know, charitable, and then, you know, he, he just thinks he's on top of society, and then, there's a situation that happens where he sort of has placed into um, the spotlight of judgment, right? And then it, it it appears to him that he's no longer as infallible as as he seemed to himself, right? I mean, that's mm-hmm. why they call it the fall, because it's like his own fall from grace. And um, I think that's why a lot of people, this is back to the topic of lying, right? Especially lying to oneself, because throughout the book, he was, um, I guess the point the author is trying to make is he was essentially lying to himself, right? Because he was doing this thing or this certain thing that he was a good person and then he was above society. And then there were, and then there was this one moment that made him, you know, question all of that. And just because it made him question that, it didn't change how society um, responded to him. So the whole um, rest of the book was essentially him dealing with that, right? I mean, there's there's a quote in that book. He says, you know, don't wait for judgment day because it happens like every day, every second by by all the humans around you. And, and back to our topic when we were saying, you know, how do we look at ourselves in a situation where we say we'll do one thing, but when it actually happens, we don't know. I was, I was, I was remembering the book, right? And if you guys remember the scene, um, there was a man on a boat, uh, he was in the car and then there was the man in the motorcycle stopped in front of him and he got out to like yell at the guy in the motorcycle and then the guy in the motorcycle like knocked him on his ass, right? And then in in all of public, and then everyone was laughing at him. And then he he was picturing in his head that he was like gonna go find this guy and beat him up. But he just got back in the car and like kind of meekly drove away, right? And that was and that was one of the instant uh, instances where he was like, oh okay, maybe I'm not this like top shot guy. And then I would say, you know, and then I'll stop talking for a while. There's that other scene where he helped um, the blind man cross the street, and he knew he was blind. And then after he crossed the street. 
Um, I like to talk about this scene a lot. He tips his hat, right? And he even says, I don't know, like, who am I tipping my hat for? The guy's blind. He doesn't notice I tip my hat. He's, and, and then, you know, we infer that it's an um, instinctual reaction, right? Like, to make himself believe that he's being courteous, to make himself believe that he's is doing it, right, for good. Because other people can see him make that action. So, so, so you know, I'll stop talking now, but, but Abby and Aaron or Layla, please, you know... <laughs> If anything you remember about the fall or, or if I'm misremembering these things. I think one very um, insightful element of the fall is that very uniquely, right, it's written in second person. So the the narrator is speaking directly to us. And I, I feel like that kind of speaks to like the prescriptive nature of how people construct um, their identity, right? I, I think the way that the narrator speaks to us is quite similar to how some people might uh, speak to themselves in terms of like remembering their memories, going through how they feel about certain things um, and just sort of like unpacking or constructing and deconstructing these lies to like create an image of the self that that is acceptable um, in their own eyes. Abby, any thoughts? I mean, you're a newcomer to the book. I'm a newcomer to the book, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I mean, honestly, it was it was a good book. I'll give you that, Chris. Um, I just feel like we definitely did go over it the first podcast. Well, <laughs> I feel like you went through all of Camus' work the first podcast. <laughs> well, the podcast um, plus the post-podcast, because I spoke yes, for like four hours. Yes. <laughs> that being said, um, I do think that it spoke volumes in terms of that like judgment on yourself. Because honestly, at the end of the day, um, the main uh, character, uh, what was... He didn't give his real name. He didn't give his real name. Yeah. So. so the lawyer, he was he was most judgmental about himself. He kept saying that he wasn't judgmental about himself and that he was the um, penitent or whatever, right? Yeah, he called himself judge the judge penitent. penitent. Yeah. But really, he was just judging his previous actions over and over in his head to the stranger. So I think that that really does speak volumes to... <sighs> how everyone kind of is that they judge themselves harsher than they judge others um so and yeah, and yeah i mean it was an interesting yeah. point because he said he did that you know he said i'm judging myself so then i can judge all of you right you like he doesn't worry about the judgment of other people if he judges himself so harshly and then you know the the paradox um i don't know if it's maybe i use that word incorrectly but like the contrarian like judge and penitent right to put together because he's he's judging him he's penitent because you know he's he's almost in contrition to himself but he's also judging other people it's this weird cycle of things and then you know um it 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 it, it implicates humans like in in every sort of right right because we're quick to judge but we're also not we're not very quick to see you know our own hypocrisy you know abby you said that guy reminded you of me and <laughs> Now that we've said all these negative things about the book, and then I just want to bring this up. What about the character reminded you of me, Abby? And well, I hope it's the positive. Because if I remember correctly, a portion um, of the book, he just kind of like smoked opium and visited prostitution houses as well. So I don't know what about him reminded you of me, but please, please do tell. Well, okay. The, I felt like the performative nature of a lot of what he said <laughs> was similar. Um, like it was not necessarily a negative. Um, I will say too, his overall character where he just kind of kept thinking about his past actions reminded me of you. 
<laughs> wait, what? Wait, do I do I seem like that sort of person? Am I am I constantly in agony over my past? Certain certain spe like specific instances, sure. Uh -huh, you'll you'll uh -huh. think over the situation. I'm gonna actually have to jump in here and agree with Abby. Um, <laughs> yes. I, I, believe, I feel are you guys both referring many... to the same situation? I, I don't <laughs> know what Abby is thinking of, know. but I uh, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> on the same page yeah i think right, we are fair. i mean I, and i think that's what i like so much about the book right because there's not there's not a human in the world who can't sort of relate to it in any way and um it, it was just it was a fantastic story to be read in like it was only i guess 150 200 pages and it, it and then in the end right i mean to, to bring layla up to speed one of the things that happened was one of the first things that sort of triggered his um his fall right the title of the book mm -hmm. He was walking um, at night and then he, he, he passed a woman and he was like, oh, okay, it's just a woman. And then he, he heard someone like jump off a bridge. Well, she was on a bridge and then he heard her kind of jump off and splash into the water below like she was committing wow. suicide. And mm -hmm. he just kept on walking. Right, He turned around and he had enough time to do something. He even sub he subconsciously like says that, right? He said, I had enough time to, to react to that. But then he just kept on walking, right? Wow. And so um, later in the book, he, t as Aaron mentioned, he tells it in second person, right? He's talking to, you know, the reader or, you know, it's just some random person, right? And then he says, you know, that laughter is haunting him all the time, right? It's just that mocking laughter that, oh, you know, I thought I was such a good guy, but, but in the end I wasn't. And he ends the book by saying, I wish that woman would make that jump again. So I could, you know, I could resolve, uh, I could absolve myself. And, and then, you know, I, I read that line. I was like, wow, like, you know, apparently it reminded Abby and Aaron of myself, but you know, I think that sort of that sort of you know paragon behavior is is um, reflective of all of us in, in in some sort of way. Or maybe it's just me. <laughs> I don't I don't want to throw you no, guys under no, the bus. No, no, you're not alone here, Chris. It it for sure is. I don't. I, I think it would be remiss to say that we aren't all haunted by specific memories um, that we wish we could do over. That's a strong word, Aaron. Haunted. It seems like you're drawing off some specific memories, but you know that's how it always is, right? But I do think it's like haunting. I mean, it, it, there are memories that really do just like creep into your your mind, and and it, you can. It's hard to to really banish them, right? And then it, it, correct. It's 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 such a huge struggle, right? And then people will say, okay, the past. You shouldn't hang up about uh, hang yourself up about things in the past and that's true right and then you know i think that in a way sort of progresses into lies that we tell ourselves because it's very uncomfortable to sit there with all the things that we've done some of them being you know not not not, not the best things in our lives right and then to either and then if we can't forget about them but we can't let them affect our present life then you know one of the recourses is to lie to ourselves in a way so i think um, that's why, you know, in my opinion, I think it's very much in part of the human nature to tell, you know, to be deceitful, whether it is to other people or to themselves in, in, in a varying degree, just because of that, you know, conflict. Right. I think that, um, like, it's harder when your actions don't match up with the idea that you have about yourself. And that's why this lawyer was so um, hung up about the guy punching him, because I, I didn't read the book, but I did do my research, guys. And um, just being humiliated like that didn't match up with the idea he had about himself and his own ego. And um, then he he seemed to almost uh, turn it around and 
judge himself so harshly that he was inferior to everyone else, but still superior because he's judging himself. Um, and I think that that's, that's what people do when, uh, when they act out of their own character and then something happens to them that uh, wasn't who they imagined themselves to be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I so so you you're familiar to the with the book in some degree. Did you, um, yeah, I, that that's the whole premise of the book, and I think it's um, it was such a great story, and that and that's one one of the reasons why I wanted to um, uh, agreed with Abby and you about about this t topic. But um, you know, to 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 move this um t topic to another to another area, I just want to know like how much do you guys think judgment really plays into this? Right? How how much of lying is due to the fact that we don't want to be you know, judged so harshly by other people. And it's, and it's very, it's very, um, relatable to the, to the previous topic we were just on. Like, you know, people asking you, what do you think about this? Or have you heard about this? And then sort of the natural instinct to say, yes, or I know what you're talking about just to, you know, sort of be accepted in, in, in some sort of way. So, so we, we established in the past that, you know, one might lie to, you know, avoid difficult situations. One might lie to avoid, you know, giving other people a burden. And then there's that, there's that facet of, of judgment and, you know, how, how, how do we like even deal with that? So just to answer your original question, I guess, I do think that judgment plays a huge component into why people lie. Obviously, some people lie to like make themselves out to be better than others and kind of to push other people's da people down. But I, I do think that people lie as a defense mechanism a lot of the time as well. Um, and I don't know. I. <laughs> What is that Wait, quote was... you told me, Abby? You were like, shame is the something of success. <laughs> you mean that quote I made up? Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. I said shame is the en enemy of success or something like that. Um, and that implicitly, he... basically, is uh, that's implicitly, you know, implying that we should sort of avoid that. We shouldn't even care about the judgment, right? Because shame usually is the result of judgment. I mean, yeah, honestly, I think that we feel shame for things we really shouldn't feel shame about. Uh, there, like, I, I've, one of my biggest pet peeves, for example, um, and I feel like Aaron will know this, um, is I hate when people have, are like the grammar police with certain things. Like, if they'll make fun of you for using like your or something, and I think that that, um, like the wrong your, sorry. And I think that those kind of situations or people that, um, judge other other people for what they read or you know what they do in their free time and i think that 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 kind of judgment um that we place on others does kind of make us become defensive and then it makes us lie about what we do do in our free time what we do lie because we feel like we have to compete almost um and which... abby at the beginning of the podcast you were like i don't do anything interesting so that's you know you're not you aren't lying to us right there I'm, you're, you're, yeah, very, I'm... You're, very, you're very forthright but well, I do recall I you have some care. hobbies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you do have some hobbies. You like watching TV, like aggressively like wa watching TV. Actually, that is a good example. I think that people shame something like watching TV because uh, they don't think of it as an intellectual activity. And so they think it's a waste of time, even if you enjoy it, which I disagree with completely. Um, I will say I do have other hobbies, uh, like <laughs> other than TV. <laughs> but yeah, please, I don't... please share. No, no, please, well, please share. I mean, We'd like to hear I, I, I also read strangely. I mean, obviously not to the, um, you know. There's your pathological lying again, Abby. I know. I, I it's hard <laughs> to believe. Um, Abby, I do... how many times have you read Crime and Punishment? Okay. 
if it's are not we, at we, least are we, are we, four, okay. you're not a real What kind of books do you like to read, Abby? I didn't realize. I didn't realize. Well, obviously, it's not the highbrow kind of books <laughs> that you like to read. realize that Abby can read. <laughs> no, no, I didn't mean that. I mean, I didn't notice. I didn't realize you, you just, read a lot. Just so you all, you all know, I can read. Contrary to what Chris believes, <laughs> I can I'll be sure read. to note that. Yeah, I'll be sure to yes. note that. <laughs> Um, I mean, I actually do read a variety of books. I don't have a specific, I usually get into something specific right what, now. What's really your favorite book? I'm, I'm very curious. I do like Becoming by Michelle Obama, but regardless, I actually don't have a, a favorite book because I kind of move into what I like as I go on. Like right now I'm into autobiographies. Sometimes I'm into fiction, sometimes nonfiction. It's oh, autobiographies. What autobiographies of who? What, what kind of people? Oh, all right. So... I have read the most recent one that I, I read was Alicia Keys autobiography. <laughs> you laugh. See, you laugh. No, no, I, I'm not laughing at actually, you. I'm not laughing at you. I think it was I, actually quite interesting just because I didn't I mean, know she I, had one. She it, it was a recent one. Um, but I did read it just because I, I don't know, I think it's fascinating, the life of a, a celebrity. And obviously, it's not something that I could relate to. So I do like to read those kind of, you know, autobiographies uh, and books. I guess Aaron and I are reading, uh, what is it called, Aaron? Hard Boiled Wonderland That's and the End of the World by Haruki Murakami. Actually, Chris, I think you would really like Haruki Murakami. He is a surrealist existentialist writer. I mean, he writes fiction, but it's all very... Um, very existential. I, th I, I think I think I've definitely heard of him because I've read some um, I've read some Kafka and then Kafka is very much how you yeah, describe. Yeah, he, he's so. very inspired by Kafka. He actually has a book, um, Kafka on the Shore. I, I've heard I've, I've definitely heard of that. That does ring a bell. I, isn't he? Um, so I, there's a, there's like a triad of really famous Japanese writers that like even people in the West hear about. I, this is this guy's one of them, right? Yeah, he is the most. He's the best, most best-selling Japanese author outside of Japan. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I've been meaning to. How are the translations? Are they? I mean, I don't speak Japanese, so I I wouldn't know how <laughs> accurate they are. I know, um, but like from an, from an English perspective, do you think you can understand? Because reading some of the um, German translated like books, it's just sometimes I get really lost. I don't know because Japan is not. I don't think Japanese is a very. It's probably not an easy language to translate. There's a lot of like cultural nuances and all that. You know, sublimated into the language and so forth. Yeah, I think I think it's really good. I I mean, it it is literature, so it can be a little bit dense. But in terms of, the, I think the translation is good. I didn't know Abby, you were reading it too. Do you guys have like a book club, and you guys didn't invite me or Layla? <laughs> I'm glad you asked. Yeah. Yes, we do. <laughs> yes, we do have a book club. We do have a book club. Wait, is that unironic? <laughs> do you guys actually have a book club? Yes, we do. Yes. Who's, wait, who who's in this book club? Is it just you two? No. What? That would be a sad club. <laughs> our book club is just us. Friendship is our book club. <laughs> it's it's super exclusive, Chris. Just two oh, people. Okay. It's actually called Aaron and Abby's. Uh, wait, let me find it. <laughs> yeah. Wait, oh wait, you're being Abby's. serious. <laughs> we are oh, yeah, serious. It's, uh, we serious. I need to. I'm sorry. The name is a little bit long. I need to. It's called Aaron and Abby's Elite Book Club for Scholars and Intellectuals. Did you? Okay. Wait a second. <laughs> that seems like you're making fun of me almost. <laughs> It, well, that would be a long way to go just to make fun of you, Chris. To you, make I a know, whole I mean, book club. I to make a secret book club that you don't even know. No, about. no, okay. You're telling me when you made wow. that title up. When I, when you made that title up, you weren't thinking about 
you know, mocking, uh, like a mocking Strangely, Chris, I was not because my entire <laughs> life does not revolve Interesting. around you. Interesting. I don't know what that uh, that's like because, you know, for me, it's just all, it's, <laughs> it all revolves around me. <laughs> of course, I mean, we're all the main character of our own movie, right? Which, you know. That's not true. I'm a character in Chris's movie. Yeah, that's, that's, I think you got this wrong. Abby's an extra in my movie. <laughs> She's an extra an in her extra. own movie. I'm just an extra. It's not even scripted. I'm the person walking in the background of a coffee shop. Like they brought movie. they brought her in for like one episode, and then she was like kind of funny enough, so they kept her. But but they never upgraded her to main cast. That's in line with my life. Yes. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, Abby, 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 and I have been through the ringer together. So this is all in jest. So so I, I <laughs> to, to move on to the topic a little bit. You know, we've been talking about lying, we've been talking about deceit, but what what is the moral argument, right, to why lying is is bad? Like when you when I'm sure we all tell ourselves in a way lying is bad, but but what 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 is the what what is the logic behind that? What what do you guys tell yourself? I mean, I personally think that for the most part, obviously, um, lying is bad because it sets a standard that's way too high for individuals to reach, and so we all just feel inadequate at the end of the day. I think, like, in general, lying is wrong. Like, all lying is wrong for the simple principle of, like, when you lie to somebody else, you are by default putting yourself as someone who's superior to them because you have information that you want to withhold. Like, you are making the judgment that they uh, don't deserve or can't handle that information, which I, I don't think anyone is really superior or better than anyone else to, like, restrict that flow of information. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I've never, I've never thought about that in in that perspective. It it, it, it makes a lot of sense. And then, you know, to, to to Abby's point, I think some people would say, right? I'm, <laughs> you you know, one of my favorite authors, Abby. And then you uh, you oh. have for, you've forbidden me, you've forbidden me to mention him Nietzsche? by name. Nietzsche. Nietzsche. <laughs> oh. No. Okay. So so a lot of a lot a lot of Nietzsche's thoughts, right, revolve around um, a person de- uh, dealing with themselves, right, self overcoming in a way. So from his perspective, other people lying, right, and then you feeling a little worse about yourself is 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 not a, like he wouldn't say that the liar is a good person or that what the person who's lying is doing wrong. But he's he places a lot of the burden on the individual, right, to sort of, um, you know put themselves in a position where they don't have to be undermined by anyone else's thoughts. And I think that's very difficult, right? It's easy. I mean, if you know about how Nietzsche lived, like he lived a crazy wild life and he kind of did like whatever the hell he wanted. He had like syphilis, uh, excuse me. Um, he had a lot of diseases, right? What, what is um, syphilis? He had syphilis, syphilis? for like a, yeah, okay. he, had syphilis. he had syphilis for a better part of like his whole life. He was, he went like almost blind in his last like oh. 20 years, he went crazy. He was crazy for the last five years of his life. His mother and his sister had to um, take care of him. But, but you know, it's a lot of um, burden to put on an individual to say that, you know, you have to ignore what everybody else says and you have to like come up with your own thing. But at the same time, you can't just be like, I'm going to do the opposite of what everyone thinks either. So it's, it's a very difficult situation that, that everybody is in as a result. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not very familiar with Nietzsche either, but... I feel that I feel like lying is at its root bad because most lies are just said for self-preservation at the end of the day. Even if you think you're doing it for someone else, are you really or are you doing it because you want them to perceive you a certain way? And um, although it's something that I think that most people do and even animals do, 
Um, and it's it's like a developmental marker when when children start to lie. I think that it's it's something that we have to overcome and um, yeah, you need to work to overcome it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the crux of it, right? And then, mm-hmm. um, not to bring up Nietzsche again, I'm sorry, Abby, but I'm going <laughs> to say his name one more time. Um, <laughs> Thank you. To, to, to him, all these things like lying, stealing, murder, they're all part of human nature, right? What he was sort of disgusted with or, or what he was um, more critical about, uh, the basis that humans, you know, like you mentioned, they do it out of self-preservation, which to him doesn't necessarily mean it's wrong, but they convince themselves they don't do it out of self-preservation. So for him, people who are like, you know, people who go to help their neighbor, right? Like the, um, like one of the Ten Commandments says, you know, that's all and good, but he doesn't believe that at heart people naturally mean it. And then, you know, whether, and then they'll tell themselves whatever they want, but it's not within their their human tendencies. And then, you know, that's, that's a very, um, I guess... You know, to say that nobody is doing anything genuine is, is a very, you know, is a very wide comment to make. But it's, it certainly puts a lot of things in perspective. Like, you know, what sort of lies do we not even know we're telling ourselves, right? And then, you know, what could our lives be if we, you know, like if we lived under a rock from society and we just emerged, what kind of things would we think are good or bad? And, you know, and then vice versa, we emerge from the rock. What sort of lies will we begin telling ourselves once we meet other people? I think it's a very interesting um, topic to think about. That, that's, that's all for Nietzsche. Abby, I won't mention his name again. Well, I'm going to go ahead here and uh, humbly disagree with Nietzsche. Yeah. <laughs> On the point that I think, like, when you say, like, I understand the perspective of, like, other people lie and you need to, like, overcome that yourself. But I think that's akin to just, like, telling somebody with, like, depression to just get over it and because I think like and Layla would be able to speak to this better but I I think there are like like sincere deeply scientific like biological and neurological mechanisms that are like regulating how and why humans lie that to some extent you know there are behaviors we have to unlearn and I, I don't think it makes sense to just say like oh just stop caring about it because you know that's that's literally not how we are built to interact with this kind of stimulus. No, exactly. And, and I think that's one of the um, critical points that people levy against him, right? Because, you know, he talks about a lot. He, he's, he calls suffering uh, a good thing in, in, in human development, right? And then conversely, that doesn't really help someone who's like in a lot of, you know, in a, in a bad place or, or suffering. Right? Like you said, it, it doesn't help a depressed person to be like, oh, you know, you're just depressed, get over it. And, and then so there, 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 there's that element of it, right? And then so there's a whole lot of things at play here. And then whether or not, you know, they're biological, psychological, it's just a very complex situation. Yeah. Um, to, to Aaron's point, like you can't just just stop lying like especially um i mean i'm sure chris in your industry there are people who where lying <laughs> might even lying might even be a positive trait and uh people with uh narcissistic tendencies are moving up the ladder faster than those who don't Layla, are you uh, accusing me of something no no no. chris wouldn't uh, be one of them no are no, 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 we at this chris point has in the podcast never had a narcissistic bone in his wait body. wait a second okay okay i'm sorry Layla. please finish um yeah also just um um on like the biology side of things 
just want to mention um, in the Congo, actually, right now, there, there are different, I, I had the story prepared, I wanted to say it, uh, but there are many different species, species of chimps, and um, they all live um, on different heights of the rainforest. So like some live on the canopy, some live on the ground, and some live in the middle in their own niche. And they communicate with each other um, with, in their own chimp languages. And they'll alert each other if there's food or if there's a predator, it'll spread throughout the forest. And the chimps on the ground often um, often let let the other tribes know that there's uh, there's a predator. And when there's a predator, um, all of the animals drop their figs, they drop their fruit, and then they just run and hide. But the chimps on the ground just go ahead and pick up all of the, the forgotten food, and then that's their meal for the day. And they, they've just made their living by, by lying to the rest of the jungle. And then that's, that shows that it's an evolutionary trait, and humans lie. Humans can't just stop lying all like that if it's if it's so ingrained even in primates that's a really funny story i want to see that just like a million chimps dropping all their food on the ground yeah. and then like and then there's no predator I, that those are some smart like it's it's that's such intelligent behavior right to me it seems really crazy that some people don't think that we we have you know some sort of ancestral relation to these to these animals right i mean just look at what they're doing Right. People may think um, it would be better to have a simpler chimp life with no lying, but they're they're still lying in the jungle. I mean, chimps are kind of wild. They like eat each other's babies sometimes, right? Like to to dominate. Yeah. You know, they're they're. It's just it's not it's not it's not all fun and games in chimp town. You know, even this is very tangential to our topic, but but I yeah, they're was... they're just like us. <laughs> just like us. That's that's a great way to put it. They couldn't work on Wall Street. Okay, okay. Wait. <laughs> so I guess from from all, I guess Layla brought this up, and I guess we'll talk about it. Is that the general consensus that people work in big finance um, achieve achieve success through through lies? Yes. Yes. Oh, a resounding yes. Interesting. <laughs> I'm surprised that you even have to ask that question. Well, yeah. it's because okay, from my perspective, I like the team that I work with. They're like honest. My my boss is one of the most honest people I've ever worked with, right? So it's like it's that dissonance hearing that and then experiencing it, right? I mean, if you look at things like Wolf of Wall Street, you obviously be like, Jesus and, and some of that stuff did I don't know if you guys ever seen Wolf of Wall Street, but one of the scenes the guy um was they were like tossing around a midget. They hired a midget and they were like tossing them around and throwing them at targets in like a bachelor party. And that's an actual thing that happened at Wall Street. Like they didn't make that up. Like a bunch of CEOs wow. got their got their clients, got their friends. They hired midgets and started tossing them around, and that's where the movie drew reference. So I can I can see where all that comes from, right? And I definitely meet a lot of people like that. But it's weird because the team that I work with is is absolutely nothing like that. So I guess um, I'm trying to defend myself here. I'm not. Are I'm, you lying to yourself? Uh, yeah. Am I lying to myself? I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Am I, am I am I sitting here every day just telling lies? I don't know. But, but also. We'll for people that are in finance specific, like big finance, as you as you put, <laughs> um, no, I knew that was gonna. I knew that was gonna get some. Yes, yeah, but I feel like a lot of the time too, it's not necessarily direct lying as you would you know think of it. It's a lot of the time 
like performative. Um, like I'm better than you. I, I do all of these things. I'm, I am so in like, I'm an intellectual. I know finance people couldn't possibly do it. It's that kind of lying and shame on others. I think that's also the stereotype with finance. Oh, definitely. I would definitely, I don't know if you guys saw this, something recent came out where, um, Goldman Sachs, someone leaked a survey of like their first year investment banking analysts and they were working like a hundred hours a week and they were writing in the comments, like we're so depressed was like dear god send help and then that got leaked in the public and everybody was like whoa like i can't believe they treat their people like this right like i thought you know this was this prestigious job where you went in you made a lot of money you did really cool things and then the comments were like all we do is rearrange graphs on powerpoint and we hate our lives and it's just like that that huge like gap between what is what is reality and what people think i mean everybody who works like, 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 Abby, I'm sure you know, everybody in finance knows that, you know, if you're a first year investment banker, it's not glamorous at all, right? I mean, I wouldn't call working 90, 100 hour work weeks and then like getting yelled at all day glamorous, but, but a lot of people talk yeah. about it as it is. But I think there's also like, to your point, there's also a, a point around there because people in those positions, I feel like will take certain details and run with them because they'll be like, I work like like you know 100 hours a week or 80 hours a week or whatever and they'll use that to embellish like how glamorous their job is yeah some people are proud of that and they're like you know if i work that many hours a week it must mean i'm doing something important the funny thing is like 90 percent of that is like i'm not even kidding it's literally rearranging images on a powerpoint chart like Abby, Abby knows I'm not embellishing these things what what they do is they get yelled at about font colors and they get Oh, yeah. Sorry. To, to make that differentiation, I, I do not like I work at an investment bank, but I'm not an investment banking analyst. So that's why I like it. it I'm not like shitting on my own role, but I, I do know like the it's, function it's of what different. they do. It's different. Chris is better than that. No, no, no. I'm not saying I'm not saying I'm better than that. I'm saying I'm, it's not my role. OK, I know it sounds it sounds a little hypocritical based on, you know, all the times we were talking about. I just want to make make it clear that that's not my role in particular. I'm not saying my role is better, but. You know, it's like it's a lot of things that people don't associate with the supposed glamour. And there's a lot of TV shows coming about it now. Like I think there's one called Industry. I mean, it's by it's by HBO. So there's like a lot of sex in it. It's like all sex, drugs and and Wall Street stuff. And, you know, the drugs might be true, but like it's not it's not really as glamorous as, as a lot of people would assume. Are there a lot of drugs? Um, well, I mean, to, to by nature of working like that long, right, if you're a person working like 100 hours a week, I think there's a natural recourse to turn to other, you know, performance enhancing or mind numbing things. Interesting. I mean, that's why, like, I mean, I would assume cigarette smoking is probably highly prevalent in the group of Wall Street workers, like like it is with oh, people yeah. in the military. Do you know what I mean? It's just like how, how it's a way to cope with stress that people, you know, can't do normally. But but the midget throwing thing that happened the everything you know that that has happened before so it's um it's interesting to see how that how the how how this vibe how the vibes that give that are given off by Wall Street really um really develop. I was gonna talk about you know Abby you more but I'm not allowed to say where you work or what you do so. Yes, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you know I wouldn't have been surprised if you did though. So just saying. Yeah. <laughs> it's Abby it's in a, your personality. Yeah, Abby works in a top secret job. Can't can't oh give away God. her information at all. Leave me alone. She's the best, though. <laughs> you are. I mean, you've said it. You you you've made it clear that you are the best at what you do. Um, okay, so I guess we we talked about you know Layla mentioned the chimps who who go around and they deceive the other chimps to get more food. So it kind of seems like it's a 
I mean, if you believe in evolution, right, it's kind of seemed like it's a biological thing. So does that mean that a life of honesty is really impossible? Is it a game of, you know, what are the least amount of lies we can tell throughout our whole lives? What is the situation there? I think it's just a matter of unlearning certain things that may come naturally to us. And I, I feel that a lot of, you know, quote unquote, civilization or like socialization a lot of it is unlearning things that come naturally to us. Like violence um, definitely comes very naturally to human beings, but that is like one of the main things that we suppress in order to live in a peaceful society. I think lying just hasn't gotten enough attention because, you know, we, we got to work on first keeping people alive and then we can kind of <laughs> expand to more, you know, philosophical ideals of what kind of way we should be living but i also think that the way it's hard to pick that apart is that like lying really it, it, it's like game theory because in order to stop this kind of like toxic lying and embellishment that we've been talking about everyone has to stop lying which is very difficult to achieve yeah that's never gonna happen <laughs> But but to your point, like, okay, so everybody can agree violence and lying, you know, they're bad. So let's, you know, unlearn those things. But who, who determines the rest of the things that are a little more um, controversial? Which ones should be unlearned? Which ones should be learned? Like what? Yeah. Could you give an example for us, Chris? Okay. Well, let me let me throw things out there. Let's say, you know, um, being charitable to those who um, might be less better off than you. Right. Like I'm saying it keeps like once you find out all the things that most people agree with, then there's stuff that people are always going to have opinion on. And then at, at some point in time, there might be a majority in the society. Right. And then there might be, you know, like I'm, I'm just I'm just curious how you think once we've unlearned these big things like murder, lying, um, who, who determines what's next? Well, I think we would de determine what's next. Like um, humans determine that murder and lying is bad so then the next thing would be rapes and uh um just household violence and then it would turn to trauma in general um but this is this sounds like it would be in the year 4000 yeah yeah <laughs> i mean exactly and it's like so do a majority so is it is it the moral argument that if a majority of the people think it's bad then it's then it's bad or like i mean we're in a position where we're able to it's like we're we're well off enough to be able to think about these things these things mm -hmm. obviously don't matter to people in like third world environments but but so then are we implicitly making the case that if a majority of people think something is bad then they're that is therefore you know bad I mean, I'm not in favor of like egalitarian enforcement of like our own philosophical ideals, but I do think the strength of a philosophical argument um, or any like political, social, religious argument at the end of the day, the truth is relative. So it's all about constructing a narrative that most people agree with. Um, and when it comes to something like lying, which in most cases is not something that you could legally enforce, you really just do have to con convince enough people to get them to stop performing a certain action. Um, so it, it is, in that case, a, a situation where the majority of people have to really believe in the philosophical and moral arguments underlying it. It's just a weird to think about, right, Aaron, to go off your point, because 
Um, I don't know your opinion. I don't trust a majority of people in this earth, right? With, with a lot of things. So then to, to, you know, right. Like, would you say, I don't know, for, for, for my, for my opinion, the average person is not something I really want to meet. See, I, I disagree <laughs> like, with that. I, I disagree with that a lot because I actually, I used to feel that way a lot. Like I don't trust people or like the average person is not intelligent, but like, I feel like, especially over, I, I don't know if you look at these studies, like I, I couldn't cite it in particular, but I think we've all heard that like when asked the majority of people think that they're above average intelligence, but that's not how above average intelligence works, right? Yep, like yep. <laughs> only a certain amount of people can be above average. So I, I feel like, I mean, it, it's just that I recognize with myself, I think I'm a fully average person. And I think everybody else is probably like 10% away from me. You know, well, I'm I mean, Aaron, just nice by nature of you graduating college, I think that automatically places you into some sort of echelon that 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 puts you above average, is it not? I, I'm not I'm not completely sure of the statistics, Wait. but I, I guess yeah, it depends on in America right. or in the world. Like, well, let's just say in America, right? And I and I wasn't trying to make a statement that like I'm smarter than everyone, like the average person is dumb. It's just like you see the kind of things that people are capable of, right? And then it's like, okay. Yeah, but my, much... my point is I, we're all capable of that. Okay, ex okay. So we're all capable of it. That's right. But then, you know, from our perspectives, I hope none of us are going around like beating up Asian people, right? I mean, there's a difference between capabilities and what's actually happening, right? And then so being able to see like um, another human, right? Going from capability to action, like from my perspective, it's like, do I want a majority of people to tell me what's right or wrong, I guess. But but sorry, Aaron, you were, you were relating something. Please, please go, go on. No, I guess I, I'm kind of a little bit confused then by your point, but I, I just think that like, I think the majority of people, like it can be problematic, but I also think that in general, people don't get enough credit for how good they can be. Because I, I think at least on an individual basis, I'm not that different from the next person. And I, I do trust in people, not always, but I do trust in people to do the right thing. Yeah, I think that like comes back to the point about judgment. Like if we're all constantly judging other people um, just based on how much education they have or, or any other trait that they have, um, that's not really, a, it, it's not, me judging someone isn't a reflection of their morals. Like if I judge someone who I think is, um, like wouldn't agree with my morals for whatever reason, like say political values or whatnot, it doesn't mean that it's actually true. And it doesn't mean that, um, that people are going to make the wrong choice based on, uh, whether they're average or below average or above. I was also going to add to um, to that. I feel like if people are always on the defensive um, and are thinking that people are going to, you know, do the wrong thing, um, that almost takes away from what you can accomplish in life because you're always trying to vet these people or make sure that they they don't do something against you. And I think I read a book recently, strangely, um, <laughs> and uh, what was it called? Um, the Talking to Strangers by uh, Glennon Doyle. Um, and I think in it, he was talking about specifically how a lot of the times we, we 
we think that it's a great thing when somebody is like really good at finding people that are liars, for example, and that we should be all on the defensive. But at the end of the day, it is actually more productive to assume people are telling the truth or doing the right thing rather than judge them initially. It just it, it just makes the world more productive and it's yeah. usually right. Yeah, I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I guess, but there's, I think there's a difference between being on the defensive and just sort of, you know, not taking a lot of consideration into it, right? Like you don't necessarily have to be on the defensive, but you don't also necessarily have to listen to them and be like, you know, fully agree with them. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's yeah, always that weird spectrum. <laughs> you don't have to agree necessarily with them, but sometimes to like, to recognize that a person might have the potential you know what I mean? To recognize everyone has the potential or mo the majority of people have the potential to um, do the right thing at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. So I guess if it, um, Aaron, I'm, I'm curious, I want to go back to you. I know before you've mentioned that you um, come from a religious background. Is that from like um, a Christian background, a Catholic background? What, what kind of? Yes, I, I am Catholic. Okay, interesting. Would you say that your opinions on people stem from that? Um, is, is it, I think, I mean, it's the Christian view that people are inherently sinners, right? I'm not sure how different that is with the Catholic view. How does that really play into your, um, thinking? I, I, one thing that I think is a little bit different about myself as a religious person versus other religious people is that I kind of have no issue decoupling my faith from other types of views. Like I think a lot of people would see their faith as being like contradictory to like things like evolution or um, uh, like the big bang or things like that. But I, I kind of separate those things because I think there's like different ways of understanding the world Oh yeah, I mean it's like thing. yeah, it's definitely metaphorical. I hope no one I hope less people are taking it so literally like the Bible or whatever that they think, you know, like the world is tenth as like a metaphorical um piece of literature, it's like amazing and then you can definitely like guide your life through that. So so yeah, I'm sorry, but yeah. continue. Yeah, and and I think the um I think yes, there's there's like so many different angles to look at it in terms of Christianity because like there's the whole Bible and then the whole like tradition around everything. So, I, I mean, yes, it does teach that everyone starts off as a sinner, but I also think, um, and so I, and I, you can go through that as well. So I, I think some religious people, specifically Christians might get bogged down by like the concept of original sin and like all of these different sins that people can be doing and all the different ways you could be living an immoral life. But I think for myself personally, I choose to focus on like the more positive points of Christianity, which is like Jesus literally said the one commandment to do is to love your neighbor as yourself. And I, I think there are a lot of those themes throughout the Bible that like emphasize caring for other people. And, you know, even if someone does something bad to you, you know, doing something good to them in return anyway. So I think when it comes to having a religious background, and I think this can go for any religion, you can really cherry pick in terms of how you want that to reinforce the kind of way that you're already seeing the world. Yeah, I mean, that's very commendable. We need that level of flexibility. I think a lot of times people are very unyielding when like chain, like they're very, um, they adhere to tradition so much. And 
you know, like I would say that the main constant in life is 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 change, right? So to adhere to tradition, so um, so much like that is 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 um, it's it, I mean it's inflexible by definition. So I think um, how you approach it is is definitely um, very commendable in a way. And I guess I mean it would be it would be so relieving to hear right to have like I I you know to your point when when Jesus you know says you know everyone should love thy neighbor and so forth it'd be very comforting to know if everybody was truly like that right so like just hearing that statement i'm already sort of even though i'm not religious i'm sort of already innately drawn to wanting to believe that right because it almost makes our lives so much easier to 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 sort of believe that right and then whether or not like you eventually go and you make that leap to believe it or not that's another story but but it's, it's just another it's just another one of those things like dealing with how comfortable or uncomfortable someone is with with those facts um so is that was that your um sorry to continue pestering you on this Aaron, but was this your parents faith or is this something that you sort of like was this the household thing and then you sort of you know made it your own or how did that work oh yes yes i was raised catholic um i think a lot of people are raised in some religious background and then kind of like um don't feel that it aligns with them but i just you know have stuck with it okay that's interesting very interesting how about um I know this wasn't exactly part of the topic of the podcast, but we'll be winding it down soon anyways. But but Abby and Layla, I'm very curious to hear your religious backgrounds or lack thereof. Yeah, I was uh, also raised Catholic as well. I, I go to the church. <laughs> I thought I didn't realize Catholic. I thought um, Catholicism was was getting less and less popular. Was I thinking about Christianity or it's it's our area in particular is very heavily Catholic. Oh, okay, interesting. What 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 do you? What do you, I mean, I can sort of imply what Aaron thinks, Abby, what, how, how faithful are you to, uh, to your religion? Not, no pun intended, but. Well, so I would, I would classify Aaron as probably more faithful than me. Um, that being said, you know, I am a, what I believe they classify it as a creaster. Um, <laughs> I, I go Excuse to me, a what? A creaster. What is that? The Creaster. A Um that, that is my uh, classification. It's like a person who goes to church on Easter and Christmas. Um, you know, I went through the whole, you know, confirmation, all that. Uh, but I, I don't really adhere to it, honestly, on a weekly basis. Um, so that would be my background in religion. So That's I can't really speak much to it. Do you, do you believe in a, Do you believe in God? Or do you just... Like, yeah, I do. I would say I do. Um, I I just, I probably wouldn't say that I, you know, strictly believe everything in the Bible as you, like, literally. Um, and there are definitely things with the Catholic faith that I disagree with. Very interesting. I never, you know, I've known you for a while, Abby, and then I never knew that, that part. You, you didn't know that I was I, Catholic? I yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know you were Catholic, like, at all. <laughs> See, I am just a faceless individual. <laughs> Wait, what was your name again? No. <laughs> uh, just, um, just kidding. Um, Layla, how about you? I'm very curious to hear. Um, well, mine is very different. So I'm I uh, I'm Hindu. My parents are Hindu. Uh, we're Indians from South Africa. Um, they're. It's interesting because there was Hindu influences growing up. There was also uh, some Christian relatives on my mom's side that played a played a part in in um, 
I guess, teaching me about religion and moral values. Uh, I'm definitely in the same boat as Abby, where I become increasingly religious as finals week approaches. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to put it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I, but overall, I do... Uh, I mean, I'm getting a degree in science, so I, I, uh, I, d I wouldn't say I have blind faith in like every religious story I hear from Hinduism, but um, overall, I would say I believe in God just because there's so much, uh, there's so much unexplained that I'm not sure what else to attribute it to. Oh, that's interesting. So, so you, you're saying that from a Christian standpoint, then not from a Hindu perspective, because there's multiple gods in that, in that area of thinking, right? Uh, no, I'm, I'm actually saying that from a Hindu perspective. Um, yeah. Okay. Could you, could I, I you... believe in multiple gods. Yeah. Oh, okay. 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 I, I wasn't incorrect, right? There are multiple gods in that, in that belief system. Yeah, absolutely. Millions. Okay. okay. I've always found it interesting that a lot of religions always center around like sort of one. Mm -hmm. um, it, it it seemed to make more sense to me to sort of believe in multiple, right? Like the the whole you know Greek god, Roman god sort of pantheon as well. And I'm, yeah. I'm actually I'm I'm quite curious why it's always revolved around one individual. Aaron, do you know perhaps why that why that might, might have come to fruition that way? Well, um, just on a limb, there were these people called the conquistadors who um, forcibly made other people believe in their religion. Um, I, I, I'm not, I mean, I think there, there's historical influences like that. Um, but I, I know that even within like mul systems with multi multiple deities, that, like there's been shifts throughout. So um, specifically with like ancient Egyptian culture and beliefs, um, there were like different pharaohs who would usher in different eras of like, there's one God or there's multiple gods. So I think it's, it's more flexible throughout um, like different religions more so than people I think would have give, give them credit for. Okay. Yeah. Very interesting. I don't know. Are you an expert on ancient Egypt? Is there a reason you brought that up? No, I, I just watched a lot of uh, History Channel documentaries about ancient Egypt as a child. I, I was like, thought that being an Egyptologist was like one of the top careers. And I was like, very oh, how, ready wrong, how wrong you were to pursue that. <laughs> Wait, actually, that's so cool, though. <laughs> yeah, that was as, as a child, I was like, I'm going to become an Egyptologist and my job will be to be interviewed on the History Channel. Oh my um, god! About Hatshepsut and uh, that's a really weird great. child childhood dream to have. Okay, well, with that, we're getting we're getting slightly off topic. So, um, thank you guys for listening. This was episode three of Human All Too Human. Today, we talked about the morality of lying and how deceit, judgment, and shame play in part to the human condition. Uh, I was joined by Aaron, Abby, and Layla. Hope you guys enjoyed this as much as I did. You know, hearing from a lot of different perspectives. And so, just going ahead, if you want to, if you have anything to say, you know, finish off your thoughts. Aaron, you want to start first? Well, yeah, just thank you, uh, Chris, for having me. And uh, Layla and Abby, thank you for being such interesting um, like co-panelists to chat with. Um, if anyone's interested in hearing more of my thoughts, you can uh, follow me on Twitch at uh, commiserative underscore Valentine. I like that you're flexing your, uh, <laughs> your Twitch, Sharon. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would also like to second, thank you, Chris, for having me on. Um, as I had previously said, I love this topic. I do not have any social medias that you can follow me on 
any of my opinions. So yeah, there's that. <laughs> so thank you. But I'm, I'm always glad to have, when the moment you expressed interest in coming on, Abby, I had to have you on. I feel like oh, we haven't you. we haven't we haven't spoken in a while, so we'll leave that to the post podcast. But I'm sorry, I didn't mean to take <laughs> away I didn't mean to take away Layla's time. No worries. Um, well, yeah, thanks, Chris, for having me. It was so so nice to chat with you guys today. Um, yeah, I want to end with the the one line I thought was really uh, powerful from today was every day is judgment day. So just everybody remember that every day is judgment day. Well, really closing it off with, uh, with some very harrowing, but that's true. Yeah. I mean, it's something we have to deal with. That marks the end of our um, episode three. You can catch this on Spotify along with episode one and two later this week. And with that, we're done.